Welcome to San Diego News Fix, the backstory. I'm Luis Cruz. A county hotel voucher program known as the Regional Homeless Assistance Program had been running and expanding for about two years with little controversy until El Cajon recently blamed it for a surge in homeless people, crime and drug use. The San Diego Union Tribune obtained years worth of data detailing arrests and calls for service at seven hotels in El Cajon. Joining us now to discuss what our reporters found are Union Tribune homelessness reporter Gary Worth, East County reporter Blake Nelson, managing editor Laura Sicalo, and we begin with publisher and editor Jeff Light. Jeff? Yeah, thank you, Luis. I think uh, this is a fascinating story, both uh, from a um, social issues point of view and a journalism point of view. And uh, I guess maybe let's uh, just work uh, from today backwards and, and uh, start with what we know now and then try to understand what uh, was reported originally in light of what we know now. So, uh, Blake Nelson, I just want to start with you. Um, uh, you've done some follow-up reporting on this uh, dispute in El Cajon that came to light in September when Mayor Bill Wells uh, um uh, had a press conference at which he complained that uh, 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 homeless individuals uh, not from El Cajon were being uh, being uh, pushed into hotels in his city and that other cities were not uh, uh, shouldering their fair share of the burden and that crime uh, was rising as a result. And uh, uh, close on the heels of that, uh, Supervisor Nathan Fletcher's office, and uh, I think Joel Anderson as well, came out and said, no, those things aren't true. The Wells claims are untrue. And so we've been trying to unwind this for a little bit. Why don't you just bring us up to date on what, what do we know factually at this point? So I have, we got about five years worth of arrest data uh, at the seven hotels that El Cajon said were the biggest problem, the seven hotels that were accepting the highest number of vouchers that city officials tried to find. Um, and the, there, are, there are data stories that say this thing is absolutely happening. And there are data stories that say this thing is not happening. And then there's this story, which is a little bit in the middle because on the one hand, there is evidence to back up what El Cajon is saying. In the two years before the county voucher, the county voucher program expanded in El Cajon, compared to two years, um, two more recent years where the voucher program has expanded dramatically, there are absolutely more arrests at and near these hotels than there were before. Where it gets a little tricky is the best numbers we have show the voucher program expanding pretty dramatically. At one point, we had about two hundred or so vouchers. Um, in use uh, at these hotels in like 2021. And then by 2022, earlier this year, we hit more than 600. But there has not been a corresponding surge in crime. If, if basically, you know, more vouchers automatically meant more crime, we'd expect the arrest numbers to continue rising. And they've bounced around a little bit. Obviously, crime is complicated. Homelessness is complicated. So, it's the data is basically saying there is not an exact an exact correlation between homelessness and crime, but we do see some surges at different parts in the year where there have been more arrests. Okay, so that's interesting. Like a little bit of the finding there might be uh, the specific statement by the mayor that uh, more the 
the voucher program was associated with an increase in crime uh, seems to have been true. But the implicit meaning of what he was saying, that uh, uh, more vouchers mean more crime, is, we, we, we can't really see that. That's an interesting uh, an interesting outcome. So I, I just wanted to catch up on the other uh, basic complaint from El Cajon that uh, – that, that these were not people uh, uh, from El Cajon or that people who were not from El Cajon were included in this program. Um, and uh, I think the counterclaim from the supervisor's offices were that these were uh, mostly people from El Cajon. What, what do we know about that? We do have uh, some data from one brief period in October um, which gives sort of a snapshot at, at this, it was one day in October where about a hundred people were using vouchers in El Cajon. Um, and it is, there is again, evidence here to support that a, a lot of these folks are not coming from the city of El Cajon. So if you go by the location of the person's last permanent housing, so the last place that they were really locked in on, not necessarily just the last sort of curb they slept on, about a third of those folks were from the city of El Cajon. But then you have about 10 from the city of San Diego. You've got many from Spring Valley. You've got folks from other parts of East County. You even have one from Texas. Um, so at least on this particular day, yeah, there were a decent number of folks coming from outside city limits. Okay. Now, uh, uh, Gary Worth, I want to turn to you because uh, as somebody who covers homelessness, you, you uh, have uh, insight into... Um, the broader picture of uh, the problems and solutions and the the thinking about all of this. So uh, I guess part of the mayor's uh, premise is that people served within the city boundaries of El Cajon ought to be El Cajonians uh, uh, in, by some definition. And uh, uh, I'm not sure everybody agrees with that idea. What? Uh, Tell me a little bit about uh, what others have thought about this question. Well, actually, the this is a county program, and it started in uh, January of 2020, not to serve any particular city, but its original intent was to uh, uh, focus on the unincorporated area. So the unincorporated area actually doesn't have a lot of hotels in it. So the city was, or the county was, already had a winter shelter program where they gave some vouchers to homeless people in the unincorporated area uh, during winter uh, months when they had inclement weather. In uh, January of 2020, um, uh, actually later that year, they expanded this because they started using hotel rooms uh, for isolation for the pandemic. But in January, they started this this program and it was to take uh, to um find people who are in unincorporated areas uh, and bring them to uh, hotel rooms. But those ho hotel rooms happen to be in uh, within um, mostly incorporated cities. Uh, one exception was like in Ramona. Uh, they they have one hotel there. Um, but uh, in, in El Cajon, like for instance, there, there was a large encampment. Uh, but technically, it was in an unincorporated area because it was on Caltrans property underneath a um, an, an underpass. So uh, they cleared that out. And now there's a, a safe parking um, lot there instead. And a lot of those people 
ended up in the hotel voucher program in El Cajon. So they were in the I mean, anyone who drove by would think, well, I'm in El Cajon and they would see that. But technically, that wasn't El Cajon uh, incorporated property. It was, uh, you know, it's like state property. So uh, but then they did end up in a uh, hotel in El Cajon. Uh, yeah. But, and, oh, and, and what I just wanted to understand, and I'll let you uh, finish your thought here in a second. But why is it that. Uh, 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 El Cajon had the highest number of participating hotels. Uh, now, it was explained to me from Barbara Jimenez at the county that uh, it's because there's a lot of of uh, unincorporated land in East County, and that's where the hotels were. They, uh, so El Cajon did end up with more hotels than uh, any other city in the program. Uh, there's 22 hotels in the program. Eight of them are in El Cajon, and Five in San Diego, three in Escondido, two in Chula Vista, and Oceanside, Ramona, Santee, and Vista each have one. And also El Cajon had more than 500 people served, so they had more people. So it was just more obvious in El Cajon. But I, I, I wanted to add also that, yeah. like in the original complaint that uh, this uh, Mayor Wells had uh, in September, wasn't just that there's an increase in crime, it's that these hotels are the county is operating homeless shelters within our city uh and they are de facto homeless shelters because they're full of homeless people and uh, i talked to the city manager the day that uh i learned about this and he said you know that something about that they had uh, a certain number of people that exceeded the number that was allowed uh, for a specific purpose because it went over that specific purpose. Now it has another purpose. Now it's a homeless shelter. And we're going to find these hotels inc right. in increasingly up to $1,000 a day uh, unless they stop. And actually, they never did that. But they they did have the threat that that's, that's really the first issue that I think that they had more than crime was uh, I, th I think the crime was just kind of augmenting their concern. But they're really first argument was they're operating de facto homeless shelters without permits in, in our city. Yeah. And and I think you had a story of the state attorney general weighed in, correct? He did. He told him to knock it off. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, the uh, as a reporter getting around to the to the journalist questions here, uh, when this story first broke, we didn't have all these details that you and uh, Blake have been able to report out in the in the um, succeeding months. Um, uh, so, so you had uh, a situation with public officials um, from from different political parties with uh, different uh, uh, positions within the the uh, the spectrum of thinking on uh, homelessness. Uh, making these claims, and uh, it seemed newsworthy for sure, and yet we need to do reporting without really knowing the answers. How how do you handle that when that something like that comes up? Well, what I did first was I didn't know that much about the hotel program, so um, I just kept asking a lot of questions. Can you tell me how many people are in the hotel? Why did it? Uh, why did it start? What is the success rate of it? How are these people vetted? That was another issue, uh, though. In fact, uh, Supervisor Anderson brought this up, and he said, "I want to work with Wells and the city if 
if we can make improvements to this program, let's let's do that. Are are these people being vetted before they go in? And yeah, they are. One of the things that they you know look at is do you have outstanding warrants? That doesn't necessarily mean you know, it's like just for small misdemeanor or something, but uh, because this is a low barrier program um, to understand it, uh, that they don't want to keep people on the street if they can get them in a, ho a hotel room, which could lead and has led to some people successfully exiting to some form of program, some form of housing. Uh, so the actual program is considered a success in that, like 30% of people who've gone into it have exited into some sort of uh, sort of housing. However, a little more than 50% have exited unsuccessfully, been, including being kicked out for violent behavior. And there have been incidents where people are arrested because they did have outstanding warrants. So it seems like maybe some people slipped through the cracks and they they got the hotel rooms and maybe the vetting wasn't as, as complete as it could be. I think, yeah, I think uh, Blake found that out too. And, and I think in some of the conversation about this, uh, maybe from Nathan Fletcher in particular, the real topic was the stigmatization of the homeless, right? Like if we looked at the hometowns of everybody in hotels in El Cajon, I would be surprised if they're all from El Cajon because that's the nature of a hotel, correct? In so hotels, you, sometimes people get arrested in hotels and they're not homeless people with vouchers. It does happen. Right. So I think like the bigger question was what is our obligation or who has the obligation toward helping uh, 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 the unhoused among us. So uh, I think that's uh, probably the bigger debate underneath all of this. Um, do we know where this uh, this uh, whole debate rests right now? Is anything uh, being done on either side to resolve this conflict? So after the California Attorney General's office threatened to sue El Cajon if they followed through on their plans to fine it, um, the city council formed a subcommittee with two members of the council who are now meeting regularly with the owners of these seven hotels to try to figure out, are there ways, um, I think still to reduce the number of vouchers accepted without breaking state law, or at least without um, being told by the AG's office that you're breaking state law. So those negotiations are ongoing. Yeah, and Gary Worth, uh, uh, you, you were sharing earlier that uh, El Cajon it does have other initiatives to help the unhoused? Yes. Uh, uh, so ironically, the day that I heard about this, I was about to go to El Cajon that night to cover the uh, opening of of these cottages that um, uh, for, for the first time in the uh, anywhere in the county, uh, they have uh, these cottages on church property on Meridian Baptist Church. Uh, and with the help from the Alcohol City Council, uh, they got permits to do this. And uh, some young mothers and their children are now living in uh, something other than a tent or, uh, you know, an unsafe environment uh, in this secure little, these secure little cottages there. Uh, and, you know, Amicus, the group behind it, has been trying for years to get this. So, you know, props to Alcohol for working with them and doing this. And before I could go out there to cover that, I get a call from Fletcher's office and said, you won't believe what Alcohol is doing to throw people out on the street for, you know, in another program. So, yeah, there's that, too. It's like Alcohol will say that they are doing uh, their fair share to help homeless people. Uh, and that's uh, one example. And they also have the uh, East County um, 
uh, is it Chains County Transitional Living Center? Transitional uh, they, Living they, Center, yeah. they do. They they have permanent housing there and uh, emergency shelters there. Um, and that's within El Cajon. So they they do have a shelter program. They do have services in El Cajon. And, they, and they'll be the you know, ones to tell you we're not trying to be the Grinch here. We're not trying to, you know, it's like shut down programs that help homeless people, but we're getting an unfair burden because of the county on it. And that's that's the way that they looked at it. And on, on that note, too, that East County Transitional Living Center is really the only functioning homeless shelter in all of East County. So another issue here, which is part of a broader problem, is if you are homeless, you have almost no options in East County of places to go. So except mm-hmm. for this one place in El Cajon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me about this whole story is the uh, the evolution of something from, you know, uh, black and white. So it's sort of like a culture war feel to the uh, to the uh, the way this news broke to going through the details and finding them uh, much more nuanced. Right. than uh, sort of the social media version of the world. Uh, Laura Sacallo, as the managing editor, you obviously deal with questions like this daily, stories breaking where we don't really know yet exactly what the truth is, uh, in particular claims being made in, in different directions. It, it puts us in a tough spot because, you know, one reaction would be, well, we don't really know if that's true, so perhaps we shouldn't say anything. And then the other choice is, well, we'll publish these claims and counterclaims, even though we don't know whether they're true. How, how do you think through that as a journalist? Well, ideally, when people are making claims, if if we can, we get to the facts in that same story. And I, I think Gary's story in the middle of September, where these these claims were being bandied about on, on both sides, did attempt to get to the heart of what what do we know? One of the things in that original story that he pointed out was the preponderance of hotels in the program throughout the county that are located in El Cajon. That was important context to that. So eight of these hotels are are there out of all the ones participating in the in the county. Um, and he was also able to, although quoting from the El Cajon officials, talk about a study that they had done looking at some of the numbers, how many people are are using these uh, vouchers, and what do we know about those those people? So that context even in in the heat of the moment was important. It's obviously ideal when we can include all of the known facts in a story in which people are making claims that's rarely possible. And I think the way this story, kind of the trajectory is a good example of what our our responsibility and our obligation is we went back to try to look at what is going on here. What do the numbers tell us? And in Blake's story, which was really a deep dive into these numbers, we've laid out the facts that we know and come to the conclusion, you know, it is not black and white. There is a lot of gray to this issue. And 
I think that that was really important. Our our job as journalists is to reveal those truths wherever they may lead. And I think in in this case, those claims, you know, there is a bit of truth on on both sides, and the dissection of the facts was able to reveal that pretty clearly. I think that's a pretty good answer. Uh, yeah, it's a difficult job. We don't always know everything that we need to know in the moment, just like in uh, in any uh, anything that we run into in life, right? Uh, but this uh, um, practice of being careful to declare what is known and what is not known and to go back and close that loop, I think is really important to what we do. Yeah, um, Blake and, and Gary, I think you've done a very good job of that. It's something we probably should uh, be better at overall as an industry, I think. Back to you, Luis. Thank you very much, Jeff, Laura, Gary, and Blake. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. You can read more of Gary Warth's and Blake Nelson's stories on our website, SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day.